Today is the anniversary of the day the Cardinal submitted the dubia to Pope Francis. Thanks to Frank Walker of Canon 212, we know that today is the 1500th day since he received the formal request for clarity. 1500 days. 1,500 days. For those keeping score, that is 4.1 years. I thought I'd mark the day by pointing out at that time the church was mired in the perceived confusion and pope-splaining campaign waged by those who wanted to defend the things Francis said at that time on the issue of Holy Communion and Intercommunion, either for our so-called separated brethren or for those who had been married, divorced, and civilly remarried. Since then, some of the authors of the dubia have gone on to their eternal reward, and no answer has been given to the dubia. None. 1,500 days and no answer. I bring this up to not only bring attention to this anniversary, but to point out that we are now in a similar situation. Francis recently said he endorsed government unions for the James Martin Brigade. Many Catholics are taking the official explanation from his professional apologists at face value by saying that he didn't mean that. Some are even sharing a video by one of the most cringe-inducing hello, fellow kids, priests on the internet, all while ignoring the Archbishop of La Plata, Argentina, who is a personal friend and advisor to Pope Francis, who said that the way we are interpreting Francis's words is correct, and he is no friend of traditionalists. And I'm going to repeat that again in a minute, because it's worth repeating. But all of this is coming to a head, with a lot of interesting things bubbling up beneath the surface. So let's dive right into this. On November 14th of 2016, the National Catholic Register reported on the dubia once it was made known, due to Francis not responding. That outlet wrote about it this way, quote, Out of deep pastoral concern, four cardinals have taken the very rare step of publicizing five questions they have sent Pope Francis in a bid to clear up grave disorientation and great confusion, surrounding his summary document on the Synod on the Family of Mors Laetitia, The Joy of Love. The cardinals, Italian Carlo Caffara, American Raymond Burke, Germans Walter Brandmuller and Joachim Meisner, sent the five questions, called dubia, Latin for doubts, to the Holy Father and Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, Prefect of the Congregation of the Doctrine of the Faith, or the CDF, on September 19th, along with an accompanying letter, end quote. The register would print the text of the dubia, which I'll read for you now. It is relatively short. I don't read the entire thing because it goes into some explanations right around the six and a half minute mark, but the link to it is on the sources blog, so you can read the full thing for yourself. Just be prepared for a sense of deja vu, because right now we're seeing a similar call for clarity being made by some bishops and lay faithful over Francis's latest statement in that documentary, Francesco, with all the same apologetics we saw for Amoris Laetitia. Here is the text of the dubia. Seeking clarity, a plea to untie the knots in Amoris Laetitia. A necessary forward. The sending of the letter to His Holiness Pope Francis by four cardinals derives from a deep pastoral concern. We have noted a grave disorientation and great confusion of many faithful regarding extremely important matters for the life of the Church. We have even noted that even within the Episcopal College, there are contrasting interpretations of Chapter 8 of Amoris Laetitia. The great tradition of the Church teaches us that the way out of situations like this is recourse to the Holy Father asking the apostolic see to resolve those doubts which are the cause of disorientation and confusion. Ours is therefore an act of justice and charity. Of justice, with our initiative we profess that the Petrine ministry is the ministry of unity, and, and that to Peter, to the Pope, belongs to the service of confirming in the faith. 
of charity, we want to help the Pope to prevent divisions and conflicts in the Church, asking him to dispel all ambiguity. We have also carried out a specific duty. According to the Code of Canon Law, Canon 349, the Cardinals, even taken individually, are entrusted with the task of helping the Pope to care for the Universal Church. The Holy Father has decided not to respond. We have interpreted his sovereign decision as an invitation to continue the reflection and the discussion, calmly and with respect. And so we are informing the entire people of God about our initiative, offering all of the documentation. We hope that no one will choose to interpret the matter according to a, quote, progressive-slash-conservative, end quote, paradigm. That would be completely off the mark. We are deeply concerned about the true good of souls, the supreme law of the Church, and not about promoting any form of politics in the Church. We hope that no one will judge us unjustly as adversaries of the Holy Father, people devoid of mercy. What we have done and are doing derives from the deep collegial affection that unites us to the Pope and from an impassioned concern for the good of the faithful. Signed, Cardinal Walter Brandmuller, Cardinal Raymond L. Burke, Cardinal Carlo Cafara, and Cardinal Joaquin Meisner. 2. The Letter of the Four Cardinals to the Pope To His Holiness Pope Francis and for the attention of His Eminence, Cardinal Gerhard L. Mueller. Most Holy Father, following the publication of your apostolic exhortation, Amoris Laetitia, theologians and scholars have proposed interpretations that are not only divergent but also conflicting, above all in regard to chapter 8. Moreover, the media have emphasized this dispute, thereby provoking uncertainty, confusion, and disorientation among many of the faithful. Because of this, we, the undersigned, but also many bishops and priests, have received numerous requests from the faithful of various social strata on the correct interpretation to give to chapter 8 of the exhortation. Now, compelled in conscience by our pastoral responsibility and desiring to implement evermore that synodality to which your holiness urges us, with profound respect we permit ourselves to ask you, Holy Father, a supreme teacher of the faith, called by the risen one to confirm his brothers in the faith, to resolve the uncertainties and bring clarity, benevolently giving a response to the dubia that we attach to the present letter. May your holiness wish to bless us as we promise constantly to remember you in prayer. Signed, the aforementioned Cardinals. Rome, September 19th, 2016. The Dubia. 1. It is asked whether, following the affirmation of Amoris Laetitia, paragraphs 300 to 305, it has now become possible to grant the absolution in the sacrament of penance and thus to admit to Holy Communion a person who, while bound by a valid marital bond, lives together with a different person, more uxorio, without fulfilling the conditions provided for by familiaris consortio, paragraph 84, and subsequently reaffirmed by reconciliato et Penitentia, paragraph 34, and Sacramentum Caritatis, paragraph 29. Can the expression, quote, in certain cases, end quote, found in note 351 on par- uh, to paragraph 305 of the exhortation of Morse Laetitia be applied to divorced persons who are in a new union and who continue to live more uxorio? Two, after the publication of the post-synodal exhortation of Morse Laetitia, does one still need to regard as valid the teachings of St. John Paul II's encyclical Veritatis Splendor, paragraph 79, based on sacred scripture and on the tradition of the Church, on the existence of absolute moral norms that prohibit intrinsically evil acts and that are binding without exceptions? Three, after Amoris Laetitia, is it still possible to affirm that a person who habitually lives in contradiction to a commandment of God's law, as for instance the one that prohibits adultery, see Matthew chapter 19, verses 3 to 9, finds him or, him or herself in an objective situation of grave habitual sin, 
and 4. After the affirmations of Amoris Laetitia on circumstances which mitigate moral responsibility, does one still need to regard as valid the teaching of St. John Paul II's Encyclical Veritatis Splendor, paragraph 81, based on sacred scripture and on the tradition of the Church, according to which, quote, circumstances or intentions can never transform an act intrinsically evil by virtue of its object into an act of subjectively good or defensible as a choice, end quote. Finally, number five, after Amoris Laetitia, does one still need to regard as valid the teaching of St. John Paul II's encyclical Veritatis Splendor, paragraph 56, based on sacred scripture and on the tradition of the Church that excludes a creative interpretation of the role of conscience, and that emphasizes that conscience can never be authorized to legitimate exceptions to absolute moral norms that prohibit intrinsically evil acts by virtue of their object. Four, explanatory note of the four cardinals. Do be our formal questions brought before the Pope and to the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith, asking for clarifications on particular issues, doctrine or practice. What is peculiar about these inquiries is that they are worded in a way that requires a yes or no answer without theological argumentation. This way of addressing the apostolic see is not an invention of our own, it is an age-old practice. There's more, but it goes into the meat of each of the specific doubts, which is more relevant to the discussion of the dubia itself and not so much the discussion today at hand about Francis's statements. If you want to read more of that, though, you can find the link to the Dubia on the sources page at returntotradition.org in today's show notes. Sound familiar? Not long after, the bishops of Argentina issued pastoral guidelines for handling communion for the civilly divorced and remarried, and Francis said that they, their interpretation was the right one, and it was in keeping with the worst fears about Amoris Laetitia. Sound familiar? A lot of faithful Catholic voices were cast to cast to the outer darkness after speaking the truth about Amoris Laetitia. Sound familiar? The Archbishop of La Plata, Argentina, has already confirmed that the interpretation that I and pretty much everyone in the traditionalist camp in the church have given is the accurate one, and that bishop is no friend of traditionalists. Rather, he is a friend and advisor to Pope Francis. I feel comfortable taking his word on this one, since he is not hiding it. But this issue should be familiar to everyone. Morris Letizia at that time was concerned with the normalization of intrinsically evil acts, and today the statement by Francis, as seen in that documentary, are concerned with, you guessed it, normalizing intrinsically evil acts. In both cases, they run afoul of the perennial teaching of the church, and in both cases, the bishops asked for clarification. And likely, in both cases, they'll be ignored. And we're probably going to get a quiet affirmation from Rome that the most obvious but radical interpretation is the correct one. Recently, Vigano released two letters on this topic. Both are available on the alternative video platform if you would like. Vigano offers a take about this situation that most people are missing, and that is the role of one Pastor Jimmy Martin of the Jesuit Church, who, when the news broke, sent off a flurry of tweets in between the cartwheels he was doing, all in praise of Francis's words and how that this is a landmark date for those he has been building bridges for. In one letter, Vigano writes to point something out about this, namely that Martin has a curial post in the Vatican Communications Office. Quote, How can we think that a click of the James Martin Brigade in the command post does not have every interest in pushing Bergoglio to defend a vice that they share in practice? In fact, I would say that it is part of Bergoglio's intended behavior, that he plays with equivocation and provocation, such as when he said, God is not Catholic, or when he leaves it to others to finish a discourse which he initiates. We have seen this with Amoris Laetitia. Although he did not clearly contradict Catholic doctrine on the impossibility of the divorced and remarried accessing the sacraments, he allowed other bishops to do so. 
later approving their statements and stubbornly remaining silent in response to the dubia of the four cardinals. It may be asked, why would the Pope act in this way, especially when his predecessors were always very clear on moral matters? I do not know what Bergoglio has in mind. I limit myself to making sense of his actions and words, and I think I can affirm that what emerges is an attitude that is deliberately two-faced and Jesuitical. Behind all of his utterances, there is the effort to arouse the reaction of the healthy part of the church, provoking with heretical statements and with disconcerting gestures, with documents that contradict the magisterium. And at the same time, his statements please his supporters, above all non-Catholics and those who are Catholic in name only, end quote. And what is that reaction from the healthy part of the church that Francis is trying to incite according to Archbishop Vigano? Schism. Again, if you want that letter, the other I mentioned, check out the alternative video platform I post, Things That Are Too Spicy, for YouTube. That letter would never fly on this platform, and I can't really play with the language enough of it without completely changing it. So it's worth your time to check out. Like I said, it has been 1,500 days since the Dubia, and in almost perfectly timed to its submission, we have a statement from Francis that has caused even greater chaos in the church. We now have laity, including Alexander Schugel in uh, St. Peter's uh, Square, asking for clarification and getting arrested for it. Very pastoral. Remember that we are talking about sins that cry out to heaven for justice. And he is not only softening the stance of the church towards those that celebrate and practice those sins, but he is by all appearances attempting to normalize them. Don't let him. Stay rigid. Stay loyal to Christ and to the timeless teachings of the church. And as always, pray for the church. Thanks for listening. I'm Anthony Stein. Ave Maria.